production of Locked Up Sports. Hi, everyone. This is ESPN alum Bob Picozzi, and you are locked into Locked Up Sports. Can't wait. When it comes to talking sports, they're the authority. It's Bob Walters and Brett Grasso. Lock up sports, and it starts, starts now. Bring them out, bring them out. Hey! Bring them out, bring them out. Yeah. Bring them out, bring them out. Hey! Bring them out. Here we go! From the Brian Gunzel Studios, I'm Bob Walters. This is Locked Up Sports. We got a big one for you here today. The Yankees give up nine first inning runs in an 11-2 blowout home loss to Minnesota. Mets in Oakland to start a 10-game West Coast trip. We preview the NHL and NBA playoffs as all six local hockey and basketball teams qualify for the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers still not a Jet. And I speak with the voice of City Field, Mets public address announcer, and grandson of legendary broadcaster Howie Cosell, Colin Cosell. Welcome to the show, everybody. Bob Walters here. Thanks for tuning in. I'm by myself. Brett is gone fishing once again. He's gone fishing. There you go. Listen, that's what Brett does. Sometimes he goes fishing. He, he, missed, he missed a good one. He missed a good one. I just got finished talking with Colin Cosell, the public address announcer for City Field and the New York Mets. And listen, he's a great guy. Yeah, there's nothing else to say. He's funny. He's cool. He's you know. He was, he was, it was a good time. We're gonna get to that in a minute. The Yankees yesterday gave up. Listen, that game was over before you even got in your seat. I mean, 15 minutes into the game, it was seven nothing. You know, I mean, Brito pitched. They kind of just took one on the chin against Minnesota. They've been doing that to Minnesota for God knows how long. As long as you can remember, they've been dominating Minnesota. They took one on the chin last night. They lost. You know, it was it was over. You you feel bad for anyone who was out at the ballpark. You know, if you happen to show up 20 minutes late or you got stuck on a beer line or on a bathroom line before you got to your seat, by the time you sat down in your seat, looked up at the scoreboard, it was 11 nothing. If you got there in the second inning, it was 11 nothing. So the Yankees just, you know, you, every team's going to have a couple of those. Yankees just had theirs last night. And like I said, you know, you move on. You don't get worried about for the Yankees. They've, uh, for like the third time in their franchise history, they've won four straight series to start the season. They have been playing great baseball, and they took one on the chin last night from Minnesota, a team that they have dominated for as long as I can remember. I mean, how many times have the Yankees knocked Minnesota out of the playoffs? So, you know, you take that, you move on. Not a big deal there. The Mets are out on the West Coast. They will be playing uh, tonight in front of probably 50, 60 people out of the Oakland Coliseum against the A's. Um, Kodai Senga on the mound. The Mets are a better team than the A's, okay? You want to take, I think you want to go 6-4 and four on this road trip. That, that should be the goal, 6-4. and four. You take 5-5, five and five. you take a 500, a 500 trip, but... You will, you know, you want to go six and four, and the West, the West Coast is is notoriously terrible for the Mets. I'm glad they're getting it over with here in the beginning of the season because a lot of times I think they go back out west later. But man, a lot of times I could I could tell you countless times I watched these West Coast trips in late August where you know the Mets were doing all right, they were kind of hanging in contention, and they go out west, they play a 10, 12 game trip, and they would just come back limping back home, season over. They go from four games out to 
10 games out. And so you get it over with there. You know, they, they played a little bit better. Um, they, they, they played a little bit better. They beat, they won two out of three against the Padres, who are a good baseball team. Star studded. The pitching seems to be getting better. Um, couple things with the Mets. Listen, Ruff, uh, Ruff was picked up yesterday by the Giants, back with the Giants. Okay, he was terrible here with the Mets. They got rid of him. He's back with the Giants, and what did he do? He does what he does what everybody does. You know, former Met, now good. It just didn't take long with Ruff. First at bat, ringed one off the wall, a double. In his first at bat, I think he had three hits last night. It, you know, it, it never fails. Even when the Mets are good, it never fails. You know, the players that are bad... Go somewhere else, and they're just good. I, now, is it that they can't handle it in New York? I, who knows what it is? Who knows what it is? But we got the NBA playoffs, and we have the NHL playoffs. For the first time since 94, which is a magical year around here, we have all six teams in the playoffs. The Rangers, the Islanders, the Devils. The Nets, the Knicks, are all in the playoffs. And it's the first time since 94. 94, of course, the magical season. The the Knicks went to the finals, lost in seven. The Rangers played the epic series against the Devils in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Mato, Mato, Mato. And then they went on to win their first cup in 54 years. The whole OJ thing, it was just a wild spring into early summer around uh, these parts in 1994. And the Knicks, they, listen, the Knicks, I've been saying it for a while, the Knicks have to win this series. Okay, they, they're at a big disadvantage. Randall is questionable. Randall's questionable is basically what it is. He's, they said he's running at full speed, but no contact. That, that's not good. Randall's a, a, a physical player. He's banging bodies down low. You know, he's, he, he's, he's had a great season, a really a, a breakout season for, for him here in New York. He's played great. He sprained the ankle on, I believe it was, when was it? It was March 29th. He has not spoken to the media since. The Knicks uh, got fined yesterday because they did not let the media view any of their practice. I guess they're supposed to let them view some of the practice. You know, they they could close it off for, for a portion of it, but they do have to let the media in. They didn't let the media in. Randall hasn't spoken to anybody. I haven't heard from Randall since he sprained his ankle, which is now coming up on a couple weeks. And he's looks like he's doubtful for game one tomorrow. And that is huge because, you know, the, the Cavs are a good, a good basketball team. They are. And the Knicks are going to need everything, everybody on deck, all hands on deck to win the series. I think they should win the series. I think they have to win the series. It's been, uh, crying out loud, it's been a decade since they won the series. We, we, we hold on to Carmelo Anthony like it was some kind of great era in Knicks basketball when it really wasn't. It really wasn't. But we hold on to it like it was because it's really all they've had in the last 25 years. Then they got embarrassed at home at the Garden by Trey Young a couple years ago. Now they have to win. Now they have to win. 
There's there's no I don't care if Randall plays in game one. If he doesn't play until game three, the Knicks got to get a split out in Cleveland. Come home, you're gonna have a raucous Garden, and they have to win the series. And I'm gonna pick them to win the game, the series in seven, just like I'm picking the Rangers to win their series in seven against the Devils. The Islanders are also in. They they get Carolina. Which is, uh, I mean, it's better than the Bruins, right? That's all you can really say about that. I don't expect much from the Islanders. I think the Islanders will probably go out in five or six. You know, they 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 got they needed a, an absolute historic collapse from Pittsburgh just to get into the playoffs, and now they're playing. You know, now they're playing top level. You know, teams on a different level. When you start talking about. Carolina and Boston and the Rangers and the Devils, those are the elite teams in the in the Eastern Conference and in the NHL as a whole. So I, I don't expect the Islanders to win. Good for them that they made the playoffs. They did have a good last couple weeks. They were dead in the water three three and a half weeks ago. So give them credit for coming back. They they will get a couple playoff games. But listen, if there's one sport that you never know underdogs can win, it, it's it's definitely the NHL playoffs. You know, your goalie gets hot, you never know. But the Rangers, the, the two ta- the two garden tenants really, really have to have to win, and they are expected to win. The Knicks are expected to win this series around here. I know they're underdogs as far as Vegas and the odds makers go. I know that they don't have Randall, and if they do, it's going to be his first game in three and a half weeks. But you know what? You need Brunson who has been great this season. He's really stepped up, become the leader of this team. You need R.J. Barrett. He's got to stay. It's R.J. Barrett's time. You know, it's now or never. He kind of floats between mediocrity and being a very good player. He has has flashes of it. You see flashes of it. They're going to Mitchell Robinson's going to have to step in. He's going to have to play well, and you're going to have to have Obi. Obi's going to have to have a big series, and you have to win. There's no excuses. There's no excuses for Thibodeau. They got to play defense. He's a defense. He came here as a defensive coach. His teams play defense. His teams also tend to fall apart in the playoffs. So it is full steam ahead for the Knicks. You have got to win this series. I expect the Garden to be rocking for Game Three when they're there. I expect it to be rocking just the same for the Rangers Game Three, which is going to be a great series against the uh, the Devils. They always are. Everything from Matteau, Matteau, Matteau in 94 to Sean Avery fighting, you know, blocking uh, Marty Brodeur and then subsequently fighting Marty Brodeur, pushing him to the Devils winning in game six in overtime, scoring on Lundquist in the Eastern Conference Finals. They have just played some of the great series, and I expect this one to be no difference at all. And the Islanders, let's see if they could surprise us. That's basically, you know, what's going on tonight. You got a couple of the playing games tonight. They finished that play-in tournament. And then the Rangers uh, are Monday, I believe. Rangers are Monday. The Knicks are tomorrow night, 6 o'clock. And we'll see if they can steal it. It's still questionable as to whether Randall will play. He, he They haven't ruled him out. Like they, like they said, Nobody really knows the Knicks are keeping it real tight to the vest. They're not letting the media in. Uh, Randall's not talking to the media. So 
Thibodeau said, his quote was, he's running at full speed, not cleared for contact. And to me, that sounds like he's, he's out now. He's out game one. And it might not be terrible to hold him out game one if he's not 100%. Because you only got to steal one on the road in the first two. You don't really want to go back down 0-2, although it's not, it's not a death sentence coming back down 0-2. Series doesn't start till a team loses a home game anyway. So it's not the end of the world. But you really want to steal one of these first two games. And I think you sit Randall out, you get him another couple extra days rest. They got the two days because the NBA is ridiculous with their scheduling and they, they, they want the, the first round to go three weeks. There's two days in between games one and two, and there's two games, two days in between games two, uh, I'm sorry, games, yeah, two and three. So uh, you get four days off playing in the first three games of the, of the series, which is ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous that they're still playing the play-in tournament. I feel like it started almost a week ago. So he sprained the ankle on the 29th. We'll see. We'll see. But it, you can't use that as an excuse. And I don't want to hear it from the Knicks that it's an excuse that Randall, Randall didn't play. That's why, you know, no. We're done with excuses. It's time to win a playoff series. I mean, come on. Bear down. You got good players on this team. R.J. Barrett, step up. Obi, step up. Brunson. Hart. Step up and win, win, win a first-round series. Nobody's asking you to go to the finals or, go, or even make an Eastern Conference final. You know, it's not going to happen. They're not ready for that. That's a different level that the, the Sixers and the Celtics and the Bucks are on. That's a different level. But win the series. It's a pretty even series. Go out there and win it. The Rangers, like I said, they start, I believe it's Monday against New Jersey at the Rock, and that's going to be just a knockdown, drag-out, seven-game series. It's going to be the tight games all over the place every night. It's going to come down to goaltending, special teams. We actually talk about it with, uh, with our guest in a minute. He's a big-time Rangers fan. We have good discussions. Stick around for that. And I think that's a toss-up. I'm picking the Rangers because I'm a Rangers fan. And, you know, I know it's probably a lot of you saying, what the hell are you doing? But that's what I'm doing. Mets are out on the West Coast tonight in Oakland. They got Oakland and then the Giants and then uh, the Dodgers on this West Coast trip. And then it's back home. And, you know, just a, just a couple of things. Uh, Billy Epler made a trip to Syracuse yesterday. No word on why he was there, who he was going to watch, but let's be real, he was going to watch Beatty. And what did Beatty do? Right in front of the, the guy who's going to call him up and when decide when he's coming up, he went two for two, and he had a three-run home run. That's it. Bring him up. Esc- I mean, how long do we have to sit here with Escobar? He's a good team. Yeah, I, I, I hear it all, all over the place. He's a good teammate. He's a, a good glove at third. We don't need that right now. The Mets have holes in their lineup. There's a hole at catcher. There's a hole at third base. There's a hole in left field. You can't have the one-third of the order be, you know, at this point, basically automatic outs and expect to compete in this division. 
And the Yankees, like we said, the Yankees took one on the chin yesterday. They're back at it tomorrow afternoon. Out at the the big ballpark in the Bronx. One ten start against Minnesota. And, they, you know, they'll be fine. That was just a, you know, that's a feel bad for the fans that were at the game. You know, a lot of people, they go to one game a year. That's the game you go to. You can't have to go to the bathroom before you get to the seat. All right, we'll go now. We'll go to the bathroom now so we don't miss much of the game. You get there, middle of the first, and it's 7 nothing. IKF even pitched. Maybe they threw, use him there because he's useless everywhere else. Came in, got three outs, throwing about 50, 55, 60 miles an hour. <laughs> you know, but that, that, that was, I guess, the highlight of the game for the Yankees because it was 11 to nothing in the second inning, and the game was over. So there's that. We're going to get now um, to our interview. Listen, you're going to love the interview. He's a, he's a regular down-to-earth guy. He's Howard Cosell, the, the legendary Howard Cosell's grandson, and he's carved his own path, the voice of City Field. Here is my interview with Colin Cosell. All right, we'd like to welcome in our special guest today. He is the voice of City Field. He's in his sixth year as the Mets public address announcer. He's a stand-up comedian. He's a three-time Emmy Award winner. He's a new dad to a little baby girl who's a bigger star on Twitter than he is at this point. And he is the grandson of the legendary Howard Cosell. Colin Cosell is his name. Colin, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, yeah, no, you're you're not wrong. My uh, daughter Eloise has gotten uh, quite a bit of uh, traction on Twitter more than I've ever gotten. So kudos to her. Yeah, yeah, she's great with with the the uh, the faces she has made. So I got one on the way. So you okay. know, any 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 you got any advice? I, I will give you the advice that everyone gave me, and then tell you to just throw it in the trash because I'm sure you've heard it a million times. Everyone tells you to get as much sleep as possible as if you're able to bank it and tap into it once the baby arrives. Like it's the dumbest advice anyone can give. Um, Mine would be just make sure you've got a good partnership with your wife that you guys look out for each other. Whenever she can get some sleep, cover her whenever, you know, you need some sleep, she'll cover you just that. That is the best advice I can give. Well, we're, I'm already ahead of the game. I'm already an expert. We were just talking before before we went on here about how I don't get any sleep. How I've been at work since nine right. o'clock last night. And I'm going back tonight, so I'm already ahead of the game. I'm doing I'm doing just fine. Oh, then you need uh, no advice yeah. at all. You're perfect. You're made for this. yeah, yeah. And I'm and I'm like 42, so like uh, this is my first. And I'm, I'm always like, you know, oh, okay, is it your first? Yeah, my first. Oh, okay, yeah. See, like, I'm always like, I'm going to pick her up from a dance class, and they're going to be like, hey, your grandpa's here to get you. She's going to be like, that's my dad, you know? That was my joke, too. I was just like, yeah, she's going to have to push me down the aisle when she gets married in my wheelchair and just be like, hey, you done good, kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said I'm going to be the girly. I'll be the creepy guy hitting on the 20-year-old moms thinking I'm smooth. Right. At, like, the PTA meeting, and they'll be like, oh, here he comes. Oh, no, here we go. (laughs) But, um... So anyway, so you, you're you're the Mets Mets public address announcer. I was I was at the game uh, the other night when you know when Alvarez struck out nine times in the last two innings with yeah. the tying runs on every every inning. Uh, are you a Mets fan? Did you grow up a Mets fan? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, really, the only uh, the only sport that I don't uh, you know root across the board. Like I, I have nothing against the Yankees. I have nothing against the Nets. I'm a Knicks fan. I you know. Uh, in hockey, it's Rangers or bust. Uh, that's it. You know, that's the only one where I'm like, I get there's no way, no universe where I could ever root for the Islanders, except I'm kind of leaning towards wanting them to be successful, 
Um, because I, you know, I, you were probably the same, uh, ilk. We, you know, we grew up, we were spoiled. It seems like the Rangers yeah, yeah. and Isles played each other every year in the playoffs throughout the eighties into the early nineties and then stopped for 30 years. So I'd like see to that, see the Islanders do well so the Rangers can face them. Yeah. Well, let's be real. They're not beating Carolina or Boston. We're going we're to get to that. Cause I'm going to talk some Rangers with you, but uh, real quick, do you, do you, you don't hate, you hate the devils more than the Islanders? Like I don't really have a hatred for the Islanders cause they didn't do anything in our lifetime. The devils are like, oh, the devils. I, You know, it's funny. It's the Islanders just because it's always been Rangers Islanders for me, and the devils are just kind of like dancing around the perimeter, just, you know, being like the antagonist. Winning cups, winning cups all over the place. Yeah, but I was a nice hockey <laughs> goalie, and, like, I had nothing but respect for Marty Brodeur until I met him and learned, learned some stories about him. Then it turns out he's just, you know, kind of a D-bag. But okay. uh, other than that, as a goalie, you know, game respect game. So I was uh, I was okay with Brodeur. I, if, with the Devils, I just I didn't hate them as much as I hated the Islanders. So it was just like, all right, fine, you know, good for you, New Jersey. Finally, that, that, that state got something, you know, shiny that doesn't smell like a septic system. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, I'm gonna get more into the Rangers with you a little bit later. Bomb. Um, now, when you when you how'd you get the job? First of all, how'd you get the job as as Mets PA announcer? Did did you want to be like a like like your grandfather, like a play by play or a co- or something like that, and just kind of fell into public address announcing? I I knew I wanted to do something in front of microphones, uh, something uh, in front of a, an audience. Um, I knew that from a very young age. I mean, I, my. I first got to record and hear my voice back when I was five years old and I was hooked and that was it. And that was a direct uh, connection, direct result of uh, my grandfather and, and growing up uh, with him uh, as a doting grandfather who was around a lot. Um, and, you know, I kind of dilly dallied um, because the older I got, the bigger I realized how he was. And I was like, wait a minute, there's, these are shoes that are impossible to fill. I need to like carve my own path. So that is why um, I was doing uh, professional theater for a little while. I did radio for a number of years. Uh, I, I went into stand-up comedy. I don't do it as much anymore. Now it's like the occasional event I'll, I'll host. Uh, but I kind of danced around what I wanted to do, which was go into sports. Uh, so I finally went after that when I was 29 years old. Um, and then luckily a, a gentleman named Marty Ehrlich took a chance on me. I was working for a network called MSG Varsity. Uh, they went under and then uh, went with uh, Rise and Files One Sports. And then um, that went under as well. And in the meantime, to make extra money, I was bartending and managing a bar in the city. Befriended a gentleman who was working for the Mets. Long story short, I was at a game uh, April 15th, Sunday, April 15th, 2018. It was the Mets versus the Brewers, 4 o'clock start. It was cold and misty out. It was disgusting. And I shot him a text and said, hey, man, I'm at the game. He's like, Great. I'd love to show you around if you want to like warm up and uh, dry off for a second. Also, I have a, you know, a question for you. So he does all the above and then he says, look, they're looking for a new PA announcer. I can't help you in any way. Uh, but I, if you can give me a demo, I can put in the right hands and then we can hope for the best. And that's exactly what we did. And a month later, um, after they whittled it down and whittled it down and whittled it down, uh, they narrowed it down to seven people. Two of us won uh, the job, and that was myself, Marisol Castro. And here we are in our uh, sixth season. Wow, that, that's crazy. That's great. Like, yeah. like you weren't lucky enough to be uh, all this other stuff. And Howard Cosell's grandson, you go to the Mets game and you become the PA announcer. Well, I mean, it, a lot of work went into it. Believe me, there I believe it. I believe it. Of, many years of heartache where, you know, uh, the, the, the last name Cosell is a blessing and a curse. It opened a lot of doors. That's a blessing. The curse being, you know, that last name because Howard was just a genius. The, the man was exponentially smarter than me, 
far more disciplined and, and better at his craft than I would ever be. Uh, he was a lawyer. I was doing stand-up comedy. So you really, uh, the parallels, you know, uh, kind of ended once you got past the affinity for audiences and being on a microphone. With the one parallel that we have, my grandfather's big break uh, as a beat reporter was uh, being assigned this brand new team in 1962 called the New York Mets. And my first big break as a uh, professional announcer was 56 years later with the New York Mets. So that is where it uh, begins and ends be- between me and, and Howard. Now I saw I saw the video. You took a video of the first t- your first uh, start- uh, starting lineup, right? And you 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 had you were very emotional about it. You you looked like you were nervous. You did a fantastic job. Were you more nervous that day, that first time, or the first time doing stand up? Uh, wow, that's a great question. The well, the one that I posted that was actually the starting lineups for my first playoff game. That was uh, okay, game, okay. game two against San Diego. Uh, Jacob Degrom's last start, uh, which we didn't know at the time, yeah, the, and we did win that game. Um, but you know, my dream was announcing in front of a sold-out playoff crowd, and to have that dream come to fruition, you know, after decades and decades of uh, dreaming about it. Uh, was yeah, it was nerve wracking. There was a lot of emotions behind it, um, and it was yeah, it was pretty scary. Doing stand up's a whole other animal because you're you know it, it's your script, it's a spotlight on you with a microphone and a bunch of people that are there with one goal in mind, and if you don't deliver, they're going to remember you as being awful, and uh, and that's all on you, you know. So there's there's no scapegoat. Stand up comedy is its own animal. It's uh, scary. And uh, it, it, it's its own its own breed of scary, really. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I believe it. I, I I would love to do stand up one day. That's something that I like. I don't know if I ever will, but I would love to do, just get up there and do it. Now you know we, you're telling my jokes already up there with. I think the, everybody uh... should. <laughs> yeah, you think you think everybody should do it once? One hundred percent. If you're able to get people to laugh in any situation. Uh, I think you should try stand-up comedy uh, because, A, it forces you to zero in on, like, what is actually funny and what you find funny um, because what you find funny may not be approachable for an entire audience, but if you're able to find a way to deliver it in a way that is palatable for a variety of personalities in a room, um, well, then, you know, that, that kind of increases your ability to be a better public speaker, to be better in public situations, social situations, uh, and it kind of increases your arsenal. So, yeah, I think everyone should try stand-up if they think they have one iota of humor in their, uh, in their body. <laughs> yeah, well, I, th- I think I'm somewhat funny, but, you know, we'll, we'll see about that. Now, take us so through. So far, you've made me laugh a few times, so I, I think you should. You personally should. I, uh, yeah, I mean, l- listen, I think, I'm, I think I'd be fantastic at it. You know, what am I talking about? But um, now take us through the day. <laughs> take us through the day of a of a public address announcer. What time do you get to the game? Do you have to prepare? Do you practice the names? Is it is like stuff like that? Like take us through your your day of a seven ten game uh, at City Field. Seven ten uh, start. Uh, I'll have my day job. Um, you know my my nine to five or my eight thirty to five uh, job. Um, and then as soon as the workday is done, I will head to the ballpark. I try to get there. Uh, I'll probably cut out of work a little bit early, so hopefully my boss isn't watching this. Uh, I'll cut out <laughs> a little bit early. I try to get there for you know about like an hour and a half at the latest, maybe about two hours before first pitch, so I can get situated and settled, uh, get parked, and, and get in there before the they open the gates, ideally. Um, so you can just kind of you know make your way through the building with, with greater ease. 
Um, I'll sit down. I'll go through my scripts, make sure that uh, grammatically everything lines up, see if there's any funky pronunciations for uh, the uh, ceremonial or uh, honorary first pitch or, you know, whoever the anthem singer is, or if we have any special guests, any names at all that I'm going to be reading, um, I'll go through that and make sure everything lines up, read it a couple times. So I'm comfortable and familiar with it. And, um, from there, go grab a bite to eat, um, fraternize with my incredible production team. Um, and then, you know, sit down, eat my dinner, go through the lineups, make sure everything's good to go, make sure my scripts are in order one last time. And then, um, usually about 20 to 15 minutes before, uh, the, uh, the game gets started, I'll jump on the mic and begin my reads. Now, when it comes to the team that's coming into town, I will do my research the night before, uh, major league baseball sends a massive pronunciation brochure of sorts. Uh, and per each team, it'll have the phonetic pronunciation of tricky names for players. Uh, so I'll go through that. Uh, and make sure, you know, at this point I'm familiar with a lot of them, but hey, there's kids coming up, uh, you know, people that come from international leagues and some of them have super tricky names and some of them you won't find in the pronunciation guide. So then I'll do my due diligence, look it up on YouTube, make sure there's at least two to three clips of three different announcers announcing that player's name a certain way. Get that hammered down because at the end of the day, my voice could, uh, could crack. I could stumble. A million things could go wrong, but. If I mispronounce a player's name, that is cardinal sin in my job. That will get me in trouble more than anything else. Except their for moms. Their mom will come looking. Their mom might come looking for you. Yeah, the last thing I need is Tyler McGill's mom coming up and telling me it's Tyler, not Tyler. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jesus, keep her on a orange orange slices duty. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, hey, listen. At least you're not doing the women's tennis over the, at Ash. Oh no! Right? No, that's, that's a whole <laughs> other can of worms. I don't. Yeah, I don't want to mess with that. Um, Could, I, I think, yeah, between that and, and hockey would probably be the most difficult. But as a hockey, hockey guy, you know. I, you know, um, yeah. like uh, And also for, for my day job, you know, I work for an international um, corporate live events company. So I work with, you know, global corporate executives um, who have, uh, you know, from uh, just literally around the globe. So all of their pronunciations and everything, there's there's a method to the madness. And so I'm kind of more attuned to it than I would be. But uh but yeah, no, that's that's all the prep that goes into it, really. Now let me ask you real quick. You, you had mentioned hockey, the '94 Rangers, obviously my favorite team of all time. I'm guessing one of yours too, right? I mean, it, there's yeah, that was now, the team. I now we know every player. Sam said Alexi Kovalov. Everybody else said Kovalev. Which one is it? I always went Alexei Kovalov. I did too, because Sam, right? Because Sam and JD called him Kovalov. I, and it just, yeah, I, and I was, you know, very, very, um, uh, I had a very malleable brain, you know, at age 13. So whatever they said, that was gospel. And at that point, <laughs> Sam was still getting the names correct. So, you know, that, that meant it had to be gospel because, yeah, yeah. Know, he's slipping a little, days, he's slipping a little bit. Yeah, yeah, there's some names that come up. Some of them don't even exist. Some of them are, you know, Rangers from. I, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if he called Tarasenko Kelly Kissio, but I don't, so I, I love him for it. Kelly Kissio, that's a great name drop. I actually, we had um, Scott Farrell on the show a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lunatic. Great, great, great interview, but he's a lunatic. Yeah. He was telling us how he uh, used to call Thrasher's games, and he would be drinking in the, in, the, in the press box, and he would be making up fights and making up names. And I'm like, hey. he's like, yeah, it was a great job, though. I only got it for a year. They fired me, and they'd pay me for three years after. 
So that's, <laughs> he got he got Bobby Bonilla in a he got the Bobby, yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's not bad at all. I mean, look, you look at like Chris Mad Dog Russo made. Uh, a heck of a career for himself. The man is completely unintelligible. He'll get names wrong. He'll get uh, every time I've met. Uh, and, and, and I say every time I've met, because every time I see him, it's like meeting a goldfish. I have to reintroduce myself when we go through the same rigmarole every time. And he'll refer to my grandfather as every possible relationship to me, except for my grandfather. You know, except maybe the first time he'll be like, oh, Colin, uh, your grandfather was so great. I absolutely loved your uncle. Uh, your dad was so amazing. I loved your brother. Uh, your, your great grandma was just an incredible personality. I loved him. I actually met your great aunt twice. And he'll be like, dude, dude. like, yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable stuff. So now Chris, um, Chris Mad Dog can do it. Anyone can do it. Yeah, hey, listen, yeah, and I, I love I love Mad Dog. I love I love him. I think he's, you know, he's crazy. Like, like you yeah. said, he's a lunatic. He hates. He says things the wrong, wrong pronunciation, everything. He's got an accent, and he, he made it, you know, he's made it to the very top. Yeah. Now, at the Garden, you got Joe Tolleson. Um, you had Bob Shepard um, for the Yankees. Who, who are some of the guys that you look up to as far as uh, public address announcers? You literally named um, two of my Mount Rushmore right there. I mean, Bob Shepard, because there's that iconic voice. And now, you know, a lot of PA announcers, myself included, we're, we're kind of bombastic. Like, we're loud. We're trying to get you pumped and energized. And Bob Shepard was just, like, soft and soothing. Like, you're the voice the of batter. God. Yeah. And he's easing the batter up to the batter, batter's box. Um, so for Bob Shepard, it's the longevity aspect of it. I, I want to do this until I can't speak anymore. Uh, Joe Tolleson, because hockey is my number one sport. The Rangers are my number one team. Um, you know, if, if he were ever to have to go to a family wedding or something, Joe, if you're listening, I'm your man, uh, because and <laughs> it's actually, it's funny because he unbeknownst to me, just kind of crept into my brain, the way he announces players and some, uh, a dear friend of mine pointed out to me that the way I was announcing Jacob deGrom was very reminiscent of the way Thompson announced Henrik Lundqvist. Like- Cause he, he was like, Henry, Lundqvist, Lundqvist. Yeah, he, and it was Jacob he does it with just Durkin too. Yeah. Igor Shesterkin. You know, yeah, he's great, though. He's good. Now, who? He's let me ask you this. I, I, I don't know his name, but when we were growing up, the, the guy who did the, uh, the Bulls in the, in the, in, during their glory years, the Jordan years, do you know, do you know who that was? He was great. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm blanking on it right now. He and he was. You know who I'm talking about, right? Said it 100%. When they started playing Sirius by Alan Parsons Project mm-hmm. and the lights would go out. I mean, it, it's iconic what they did. They reinvented. <laughs> The, the starting lineups for every sport, for every team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and it's actually funny. My my first professional PA gig I got uh, because the bar I was managing, I was also running trivia night there. And before, uh, before I would get started on trivia, I would announce our starting lineup of who was working that night, who was behind the bar, who was on the floor, and who was bussing, and our bouncer. And I would throw on Sirius. And, uh, and I did the whole, you know, the whole thing, the whole Bulls thing. And it turned out that one of the owners of the league, the uh, trivia league, uh, was there that night and is co-owner of, uh, a professional ultimate frisbee team, the New York Empire in the AUDL, the American Ultimate Disc League. And he was like, Hey, we need a PA announcer. I love what you're doing. Would you do this? And I said, sure. So that was literally how I got my break into PA announcing by emulating what the, uh, the, the Bulls were doing in the nineties, eighties and nineties. And, uh, uh, yeah, and it got the ball rolling. Yeah, it's, it's so funny you said that. Me and my buddy Dale in college, we used to do it when we walked into the bar. We used to say we want that coming into the bar. Have all the lights go down, play that song, and it'd be like, and now, here, you know, and we walk into the bar with it being announced like that. 
Because every kid does that. Every kid announces in their head announces themselves up to the plate, you know, or if you make it to the championship game in Little League, if you're lucky enough, some Little Leagues will have the, they'll announce you or the All-Stars. And it's always the coolest thing. It's the coolest thing when, when that happens. Now, have you ever made any, like, big errors or anything like that? Um, like, like, like that maybe nobody noticed, but you knew about, or, or like you announced the wrong guy coming up. My uh, third game ever, so that's going to be um, Tuesday, June fourth. Uh, no, June fifth against the Baltimore Orioles, and a dear friend of mine, Ryan Wagner, actually got the job as the PA announcer five years before I joined the Mets. So the fact that two best friends ended up as PA announcers, two of thirty PA announcers in. Uh, Major League Baseball is just wow. wild and random. But uh, at any rate, uh, he gave me uh, some prono help with the Orioles. And uh, there is a player whose last name was Rickard. Um, and I, for some reason, it came out as Ricard. I don't know what happened. My brain just, I don't, it just shut down on me. My boss, I don't know how he did it, but he kind of like materialized in my booth and was just like, what'd you just call him? And I was like, Ricard. Oh, really? Like, Rickard. I was like, got it. Won't happen again. Uh, and so that, been like, that hey, you want to do it? You think you no, can do it no, better? No. You do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Game three. I'm going to challenge my boss. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so that, that happened. And I've had, you know, my voice like crack occasionally, you know, my voice gets tired. There was one, it was glaring with uh, Pete Alonso. Uh, and it was like, Pete Alonso. And there was like <laughs> no one in the crowd except for like a few friends happened to be there. And they were texting me. They're like, you all right there? Uh, you all right there, Peter Brady? You're going to be okay? going to get through this? <laughs> so, um, but uh, but otherwise, uh, nothing glaring. I mean, there's been a couple of people that have been called up incorrectly, but that's because last minute there was uh, a pinch hitter coming in. Um, and one time, because I do have a spotter in there with me, so if I'm reading copy, they're keeping an eye on what's happening so that they can feed that information to me so I can stay on top of it. Um, and they, <clears throat> we had a fill-in guy who... Uh, Gave me the wrong player, and uh, I believed him, and I announced it, and then I had to say correction. But uh, I, I don't take credit for that. That was his fault, TJ. <laughs> at least, you know, at least you're not throwing people under the bus here, you know? No, I would never, <laughs> I would never throw TJ Winters under the bus. TJ, if you're listening, thanks. <laughs> thanks. So he's, actually, he's, uh, a, he's actually one of our more loyal listeners. So Yeah, well, TJ, um, thanks for giving me Brandon Drury when it was definitely not Brandon Drury. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got the Drury jersey. From uh, the grab bag, you know the grab bag that they have there. Yep, the thirty dollars grab bag, and like they kind of rigged it. I was like, oh, I want the jersey, and he kind of like picked a bunch of the things out, and he just he he got me the jersey. And people were like, who's jersey? I was like, it's Brandon Jury. It was game worn jersey or whatever. I, so I did the same thing. I said Brandon Jury. Now you've been in that booth. This is your sixth year. Yeah. You have any? You have any? Uh, you have any? Have you made any errors with some foul balls? Have you made any nice catches? I know there's got to be a couple that came back into that booth. Uh, they haven't hit the booth yet. They've come close. Um, the only contact I've had with any has been was during the um, uh, the pandemic season when there was no fans in the stands, and one of our cameramen, Jake Smith, was uh, just kind of hanging out there behind home plate. Uh, so if there was a foul ball that came back there, there's no one to catch him. Jake would run back, grab him, and it's just like, who wants a foul ball? Um, so you know, I collected a bunch that season and would you know giving them away to fans once they returned. I kept one for myself. Um, you know, gave a couple to my nephews and, and that was it. But, uh, I still have yet to want to actually come into the booth. Okay. okay. I've, I actually had one just the other night, Tuesday night. I had the guy literally right in front of me got one. Cause I was just off the, right by the, the, the writers just under them, uh, off the third base side of the plate. 
So you got you got to be heads up over there. So you were in like fly. the you were in the three twenties. Yeah, three twenty three. I think it was. Yeah. And um, and the guy, you know, the ball comes flying back. I don't. I listen, I'm not putting my hand up there. First of first of all, the first guy that touches it almost never gets it. True. Except he gets a, a hurt hand. Second of all, I can go buy the same ball at Dick's Sporting Goods for nine bucks tomorrow. And it's real, you know, I've gotten them. I've gotten a couple of them over the years. We got mostly like guys throwing them to me and whatnot when I was a kid. But I, like that hurts. The guy hurt his hand. He caught the ball. And, you know, it was fun for a second for him. But his hand is hurt. His, his hand's probably still swollen now oh. three, four days later. You know, it's not, it's yeah, not but worth it. But it no guts, no glory, my friend. You know, you, you catch that ball, you're going to get, you know, a good thousand people watching you. I mean, we're watching in the booth, too. Like, we watch every foul ball, and we react to how fans – Catch, don't catch, should have gone after it. What'd you do? Look at that person ducking. Like, we, we're we always watching. I mean, best case scenario, you get Keith to be like, oh, sign him up on the telecast. Right. You know, or, or you could be the guy with the baby, holding the baby in the beer, and he had he caught it, and then he drank the beer. You know, but that guy, that's one in a million. That's you're gonna more than likely going to be, yeah, you're more than likely going to be the guy that's got the broken hand and misses the comeback in the ninth inning. And nobody ever hears from you. That's going to be my luck. It's going to be the first day, the first game I have my daughter at a game with me in the booth, and that's when a foul ball is going to come in, and I'm going to be, like, holding her and have to, like, bring out my ice hockey goalie skills. Luckily, I had a, a killer glove hand, so I'll be ready for it, but uh, that would be my luck. Okay. You're a Richter guy? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I was a Love Beezer it. guy, and I it, it broke my heart. Two players that broke my heart, Richter, I mean, uh, Beezer and Gartner not being on that uh, championship team. Yeah, well, I, I see. I hated Beezer because he would play. For, he, he was he would play for Richter sometimes, and I met Beezer a bunch of times down in down in Florida when he played for the uh, for the Panthers. And then yep. I met him and uh, Roger Nielsen, who would ride his bike up to practice every day. And we would go to the practice, and we I got a signed stick from him, uh, John Beezer. He's actually he's a he's a good guy. Super um, nice guy. I, super I, nice, I remember super nice one guy. thing. I the first time uh, my grandfather took us to the locker room, we turned my grandfather into a, a, a solid Rangers fan uh, later on in his life because he had never done anything with hockey. Um, mm. And then he he fell in love with it, totally embraced it, loved to chant Beezer, like he was totally all about it. Um, but I remember going to the locker room the first time and John meeting John Van Beesbrook, and I just remember he had his legs were like tree trunks, like he was not the biggest guy in the world. But he had like like pre Marty St. Louis insane quads. I just I remember that standing out to me. Another man's life. And, and, <laughs> and he was a good goalie too. You know, he took that Panthers team. They were at eight seed. I think he took them all the way to the finals. Yep. He was a good goalie. You know, he he, he was. He, but he wasn't Richter. Richter was my guy. You know, I, I was I was and and I always get I always have bad luck. I got a jinx on me with the Mets and with everything and. And I went to my, I remember my first Rangers game. I went, and all I wanted to do was hear what the garden sounded like when when they scored. They were playing Calgary, lost three nothing, and Van Beesbrook was in net. I was like, you got to be kidding me! That's I was like, terrible. this is just my luck, just my luck. That's a bad break. But um, now tell us, tell us what what it was like growing up to have Howard Cosell as a grandfather, and you know, like you said, you didn't realize till later how big he actually was. And did you ever get to meet Muhammad Ali? Oh yeah, yeah, a few times. It was it was a very strange childhood. Like uh, nine months out of the year, it was just you know typical middle class upbringing. Uh, no bells or whistles. Um, you know, myself and my my three siblings. Um, and then during the summer, you know, school would let out, and June, July, August, we'd go to my grandfather's summer home in the Hamptons, uh, out in Dune Road in West Hampton Beach. And then all summer long, we're living in this like 
lavish lifestyle with a house with a swimming pool and a, te- uh, a swimming pool and a tennis court, and it's on the bay side, and there was a walkway that went to the beach, and it was, you know, belonged to a beach club, and it was just like amazing. But then it was also, you know, coming home from day camp when I was a little kid, and like random celebrities would be hanging out at my grandfather's house, um, you know, and so you you know you'd have like a range of people. Um, sports personalities, musicians, actors, um, you know, like Elliot Gould was there a bunch of times. John, John Bon Jovi was there one day uh, when I got back, um, you know, like uh, Ali had been out there, uh, Floyd Patterson a whole bunch of times. Like it was, it was very strange. Um, but I still didn't grasp, you know, like how big of a celebrity he was really until he passed away. Uh, and I was, you know, 15 and a half years old and it was just like, yeah, I was at his memorial service and looking out at the sea of people at St. Patrick's Cathedral. And it was just, you had politicians, actors, uh, team owners, athletes, uh, you name it. It was, it was a who's who. It was insane. Um, so it was, you know, he, he didn't do anything to make, you know, make a big deal of his celebrity for me. I mean, I'm sure it affected my siblings a lot more. It affected my mom and her sister a lot more because they were there for it. They were there for the entire ride. And by the time I was born, my grandfather was, you know, slowly drifting off into the sunset in his career. Um, so then he was around a lot more for me. So I got more of the doting grandfather than the celebrity Howard Cosell, you know, treatment. Um, but I wouldn't trade that for anything. You know, it was still an awesome childhood, met some incredible people and had, uh, it was, yeah, it was just, it was very unique to say the least. Well, I mean, he was more, he was like more than a sportscaster. I mean, he was, he would do the, the Monday Night Football and everything. He did the Ollie Freight, Down Goes Frazier. But he also told America, he was the one that told America that John Lennon was shot. Yeah. So yeah. There, there's things like that, you know, where he's, he's kind of ingrained into Americana like that. And, you know, I, I obviously, I had never seen him really. I don't think I ever, when did he, when did he retire? Because you're a year older than me. Uh, he retired in 91, uh, shortly after okay. my grandmother passed away, and then he passed away in 95. Okay. We, I think I remember him on, like, AB Wide World of Sports or something like that, right? He did yep. that on, like, Sundays. Okay. I got you. Now, what yeah, – um, he, he had it at a, a variety show. Like, yeah, he did a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, he was not, you know, like a, a one-trick pony as a broadcaster. And, um, and again, he loved meeting, you know – unique people, trailblazers, uh, but also underdogs. He was a big advocate of, of the underdog. So, you know, in many respects, that would be a Muhammad Ali, a man who didn't know how to read or write, uh, had a ton of potential. It was very strong-willed, uh, and my grandfather loved that. I mean, his, his idol was Jackie Robinson. Uh, but then there was also people that kind of set the world on fire, and he was intrigued by them, and John Lennon was one of them. A uh, very unlikely friendship, but it sparked, and they totally just – dug one another's vibes and had a friendship. And then my grandfather had to announce his passing, his assassination, uh, his murder on December 8th, 1980. So yeah, it's a pretty, pretty transcendent kind of uh career to, to put it mildly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's a, it's a one of a kind career. It's not anything like any, anybody else. I mean, the industry's kind of changed stuff like that. Now what, um, now you, Alex Anthony was right before you, correct? As yes. the Mets. Okay, and I guess that I, I was reading there was some kind of controversy where he got fired or whatnot. Now, did you do you did you notice because public address announcers? I wouldn't say they're kind of in the background, but they are kind of in the background. Like they're not as as known as you know Gary Keith and Ron who are in your living room every day, or or Howie who's on you know with you in the car. Is that something that like that you think uh, 
that you're disappointed about? Do you think they should be more well-known? Or, or do you like being in the background kind of being there? Everybody hears you, every word, but you're in the background. I'm, I'm actually, I made a point of it. The day I got the job, I made a conscious decision that I was going to make this a very hands-on job um, because there is, there's a synergy there in every game. You know, when I'm announcing the starting lineups, you're, you know, the fans aren't just yelling at, at random. They're yelling because I'm saying their player, your favorite players' names uh, and they're reacting accordingly. Uh, they're doing the same thing when I announce them up to bat as well. Um, so there, there's a relationship there that I wanted to break down of me just being in some booth and them with their backs to me. Uh, and the best way to do that was opening my window in my booth, uh, talking to the fans that are there, season ticket holders, but also on Twitter, uh, engage, engaging with fans a lot and uh, in a variety of, a variety of ways. And, um, you know, I, I just I made it something that I didn't want to just be a voice in the stadium and them just be ears that I'm talking at. Um, you know, we're all in this together. We're all fans in this together. I feed off their energy. They're feeding off of what I'm saying. Um, you know, let's tear down that wall and actually have, you know, a dialogue. And so uh, I've, I've made a conscious decision to do that. Uh, that's not for every PA announcer. Some people just want to go in, say their words and get out. Um, I love engaging with fans. I'm a people person. Um, you know, my coworker, uh, my, my colleague, my, my PA partner, as we say, partner, uh, Matisal Castro, she's the first one to admit. She's like, I, I don't want to engage with people. I just want to come in, announce, watch baseball, love doing my job and get out. Um, I'm the polar opposite and, uh, I, I'm actually in the minority in that respect. So, um, it's it's literally what you make of the job, and I've you know I've put a lot of effort into establishing relationships with uh, with fellow fans in this job. I mean, I mean, listen, you're you're right next to to Howie. How long did it take you to, to talk to Howie about uh, Mato Mato Mato? Oh God, that well that didn't that didn't take long at all. Um, and <laughs> Howie and I uh, hit it off from day one. And actually, one of the most surreal pinch me moments was in 2018. Uh, we were in a massive rain delay. And the NHL playoffs were on, and um, I'd become friendly with uh, uh, his daughter, Alyssa. We're, you know, closer in age. She's a little bit younger than me. Um, and she was hanging out. She was doing some work for the Mets at that point. And uh, they were hanging out watching the playoffs in an auxiliary room next to uh, the Bob Murphy studio. <clears throat> and um, I was like, hey, do you guys mind if I come in here and hang out, watch some hockey? They're like, please. So I sat there with Howie Rose talking hockey, watching NHL playoffs for like an hour. And it was just the most surreal thing in the world. Um, I didn't really talk to him about the Matteo Matteau thing until I had him as a guest on a podcast I used to do uh, a few years ago. Uh, but, um, but otherwise, yeah, uh, Howie's an awesome guy. Um, and it's been an honor to get to know him better and to now call him a friend. Yeah, he he seems like he, he's a nice guy, you know, and he's a great he's a great announcer. He's got great stories. He's got great stories on the air. Now, what do you what are your thoughts on on the pitch clock and the the speed of the game? Does that change the way you do your job at all and stuff like that? Because it is noticeable. I, I noticed it just the other night, that Tuesday night, and that was like a three hour game anyway. But it was still it just it it moves more. The game moves. Well, there there's two curses I've noticed on City Field. One is if there's a chance of rain in the area, it will find its way to City Field, and if the game is going to be shortened at all, it's still going to be a three hour game. Um, and games just time just runs slower there uh, for some reason. Um, yeah, there's adjustments for me. There's adjustments for DJ Razor who does our music um, at City Field, the walk up music and the like. 
Um, we have to jump in a little bit faster now. Um, I used to let the, the, the walk-up song dictate when I would announce the player. I don't really have that luxury anymore. It's just kind of like have to go with it. Um, so yeah, there's, there's some changes there the, with the pitch clock and the first game I did was the home opener. Marisol did the pregame. I did in game. Uh, we always split the home opener. Um, and there were four pitching clock violations, two against the batter, two against the pitcher. And so now I have to announce it. So I'll say pitch clock violation called ball. If it's against the pitcher, Okay. pitch clock violation called strike. If it's against the pitcher, uh, against the uh, batter rather. Um, otherwise, you know, it was a very short, uh, narrow, not too, too crazy of a learning curve there. Uh, but there, it, there's definitely changes. Um, and you can feel the, the pace of the game, uh, change as well. Was the whole Diaz phenomenon last year with the, Timmy trumpets and whatnot. Was that, was that a high moment for you? Uh, uh, excitement wise? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, announcing, the game? Uh, announcing David Wright's final at bat, um, you know, announcing that first playoff game, uh, but announcing Diaz into the game, you know, especially once it went viral and it became like a real thing amongst the fans uh, and SNY and social media, um, you know, then we all took it to the next level. All of us in production did. Um, SNY went, went a little over the top with the, with the, I mean, I, the black and white into the color and the, they went, they went, they, they, that was a little much from SNY. I felt like it was a bunch of guys, a bunch of people who went to film school who didn't make it into movies and they, they're like, oh, they, you know, they don't watch baseball at all. And they got the job as, as at SNY and they're like, here's our chance. And they, they did, they did those things. And, I mean, I didn't like. It. it was good. It was good for what it was, but it was just a little much for me. Well, their director John, I I admire his vision because everything in sports these days is cookie cutter. I mean, there's really nothing you can add, um, you know, except for necessities uh, such as um, you know adding the pitch clock to uh, the score bug in the top left corner of your screen, um, little things like that. But there's really not much you can do, but we don't need to change. Well, I mean, that's true. But when you're a director, you're, you want to give someone something new to, to visualize because look, I, there was many, many years where you were watching sports without a view of the Goodyear blimp that was viewed as superfluous and cumbersome at first, but now it is iconic, you know, to get that overhead view to show you exactly the grand scope of, of what you're watching, uh, from up above, just this new vantage point. So well, the first, the, 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 the first downline. Right. Is another one. These are, these are all things, even, even what Fox did with the, no, NHL, with the Fox the 90s, tracks. With Fox no, tracks. no, don't, don't say you like now, the Fox tracks. No, I did not because as a hockey player, you know where the puck is and you know where to watch. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. For the layman who does not know hockey very well, tracking the puck is very difficult. You admire them taking a shot at doing that. Um, you know, the best thing that could have happened to hockey was HD and, and 4K because now you can actually see the puck a lot better. Uh, but, you know, for regular tube TV, when, you know, you watch it now and it looks like you're going blind, yeah. uh, Fox Tracks was, I admire them trying it. Okay. I mean, I, it, 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 like I was going to say, they tried to re- Fox tries to reinvent the wheel. Now, you're right, though. There are certain things that have been inserted that we just take for granted now that you almost can't live without the first, the first downline, stuff like that. They now don't have uh, advertisements on a lot of the boards in hockey. Right. They're all uh, they're all kind of, and if you see them behind the net, sometimes it gets like on their body, superimposed on their body. It gets weird like that. 
So yeah, I guess I guess you're right. Which which is kind of crazy to me. I'm like with the green screen technology, where like you know Streamyard.com can throw a green screen video behind me, <laughs> and it's going to bleed a little bit. But that's because like they're giving us the bare bones here. Like we're talking about professionals, and in, in but I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know crap on them. But uh, look, I think what they did with with Diaz, it was the most electrifying entrance in sports that we've seen in a long time. And they wanted to build that imagery for those who were at home um, because it was electrifying in the, in the stadium, you know, but it was electrifying. We, we would shut okay, down yeah, yeah, all the lights. Uh, DJ razor would start playing this kind of build up um, music. And then the second Diaz's foot touched the warning track, it was don't, 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 don't. And then it was this whole big thing and the scoreboard and like all these visuals going on around our ribbons. Like it was like way over the top for in stadium as well, but we all loved it. We all fed off of it. The players loved it. It was like an iconic moment. The director was just trying to relay that at home. So I don't hate him for it. Yeah, no, and I and I get it, but they're not trying to get people like me and you. They already got us. We're watching the game no matter what. Yeah, you know, we're we're not. We they they got us. They don't need to get anything to get us to do it. But to me, it was electrifying because he was the best closer in baseball, and he was lights out, and he, you knew he was shutting it down every time. It was kind of Mariana like with with his with his entrance. Exactly. But, you know. It was. It was. They. They were a direct parallel in in iconic moments. I mean, Mariano is the greatest closer of all time. But Diaz was lights out last season, um, and he'd been walking out to that for a couple of years now. Uh, and it wasn't until it became a viral sensation that I was like, "Wait a minute, I need. To, I need to find out my timing on when to announce him." And it took me the better part of last season to finally perfect it. And the night that I did was the night that we had Timmy Trumpet in the stadium playing it live and he did play it live uh and thank god i nailed it that night and then for the rest of the season because it was like woo but yeah it was pretty wild i i I blame timmy trumpets for the loss of the division to be honest with you he went in there talking about the world series and everything after come on timmy trumpets play your song and get the hell off the off the thing you know i I mean mean, listen the guy's not i never seen baseball (laughs) yeah he he just learned about baseball when his song became an iconic Uh, like part like we're not jinxed enough league baseball yeah we need him Uh, talking about the world series now um can you start talking (laughs) trash about australian rules football and rugby and i'm sure he'd be like all right you're right (laughs) yeah 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 you're right now um cowbell man or dancing larry cowbell man I can't I stand dancing lyrics. God, I agree. Yes, I'm so glad you said that. I've never, never liked him. No, and, and can we get another? Can you do another song already? No, and can, I mean, we, can, can we just get rid of them all together? Like, why is the thing? After <laughs> nobody he, likes after him. He shoved no, that kid out of the way. You know, granted, it was like 20 years ago that he shoved a kid out of the way. But like the guy, I mean, the fact they use him in advertisements is beyond me. But I, I despise him. I get rid of dancing Larry and get rid of Potvin sucks. It's yeah, nice. yeah, Poppin' Sucks is another one. Yeah, get get rid of it. And and the Dancing Larry thing is just, I mean, and nobody at the Garden likes him. I've yet to run into somebody at the Garden because you know when it's coming now. Now it's a whole production. Third period, probably the first stop, first commercial break under 10 minutes. He's going to come out of that tunnel, and it's going to be the same song from 1992. And, and yeah, I, I, nobody likes him. I don't even think his whole section, I think his whole section doesn't like him. I mean, you know, he's, he's just, obstructing the view. Like, he's in there coordinating with the producers and camera people, and then it's just like, damn it, Larry, can you sit down? I paid 300 good dollars <laughs> before fees to get these seats, and you're sitting there dancing to Twilight Zone, doing the same dance move you've been doing, which looks like an epileptic fit. The and same I, thing. <laughs> it's just, 
you know, you want to bring back someone who's iconic in the garden and you can't because Frankenstein is just, it's against the law. Uh, the chief. Bring back the chief. Oh, the chief. The chief was great. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about the chief. You're right. Yeah. The chief. He Absolutely. Was- I remember he had like a heart attack during one of the playoff games in 94. Like that man was not long for this earth, but, and he would not fly today. He would be, he would be canceled uh, today for being the chief. But uh, those were the good old days. Yeah. Like when you used to, you know, in between periods, go and go and smoke in the stairwells. When I used to, when I went the bathroom stalls, like yeah. <laughs> every time I'm going down the stairwells, I'm like, there's the smoking section. There's the old smoking section. Yep. You know, and then you'd have a guy stationed down one thing, a guy up top, and then you people in the middle and everybody'd be watching out and they'd be, you know, you cup the cigarettes or whatever. People were smoking joints back there. It was crazy. Oh, yeah. Now, um, one thing I saw this week when I was just looking up stuff for you on the internet and I, and I, I thought it was great and, and hilarious was the Tim McCarver thing. You do an incredible impression of your grandfather. The Tim McCarver, it was great. I, I, I played it a hundred times. My wife is sick of it already. She's like, I've seen it already. Why do you keep playing it? I was like, because it's funny. And give us, um, give us a, a, something with your uncle. Give us a review of my in, interview skills. You just, you just Chris Russo'd me. You just called him my uncle. Oh, I did. He did. I did, he that, on I did that on purpose. I did that on purpose. I did that on purpose. Of course, you did. I, I totally understand. I, I so it's funny because Tim put me on the spot as well. Like I walked in. I've been doing. Oh, he the, put you on the spot. Well, I I've been doing the the voice of God um, for the sports broadcasting Hall of Fame for um, God a long a long time now, um, the better part of a decade. And I came in five years ago when. Uh, Tim was being inducted and um, the executive producer of, of the event, uh, Michael Goldman, was just like, hey, so Tim McCarper wants you to imitate your grandfather and kind of lampoon him um, and kind of roast him um, to introduce him tonight. And it's just like, OK, can I meet him first? Like, we've never met. Like, I'd like to <laughs> before I eviscerate the man as the ghost of my grandfather, can I at least have a few words with him? didn't work out. We didn't get a chance. So I figured I'd be standing like off in the wings. I would do the imitation and that would be that. And then Tim called me up on stage. So I left my notes behind. I had written a few things down and just had to do it off the cuff. Um, but um, uh, it, 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 it just, it was one of those things where it, it just worked out. Tim was uh, uh, just one of the nicest men. He was such a sweetheart uh, and got such a huge kick out of it. And so did I. And now it's uh, immortalized on YouTube, but uh, it would probably yeah. go a little something like, uh, the incomparable Bob Walters getting my relations wrong to my grandson. I am not his uncle. He is not in his 60s. And you, sir, are chronologically incorrect. Sorry, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, being a new dad. My voice is tired. I'm tired. That was not my best. Uh, yeah, it's all right. It's all right. I'll take it. I'll take prep it. Next time, I got to get some reps yeah. in. You know, Jesus. more of the old. But you didn't think cords. you didn't think I was going to call you on an impression of your of your grandfather? Come on, I, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, first time on the show. That's usually the way it goes. I should know that yeah. by now. The pregnancy brain is still very much within me. Now, what what kind of what kind of perks do you get for being the, the PA announcer? You got you get uh, you get to you know meet the players, go in the locker room, you come in a special entrance, what, what, you get free food, what do you get? Uh, Have you met Steve Cohen? I get paid to watch baseball and live out my dream. Um, It really doesn't get better than that. I've actually not met Uncle Steve uh, or Tia Alex yet. Uh, I don't go down to the locker room. I really, uh, to be honest with you, Bob, I don't, 
I don't have any interest. Yeah, I don't care. Like I know. my twenty year old kids now. Me, well, and not only that, but like it's never been like that's part of my upbringing because of my grandfather. You know, it was one of those things where like. Uh, you know, athletes are people too. Um, you know, there's no one that I'm like in awe of. Like Mike Richter, sure. You know, like uh, he looked at know, my I, my uh, my LinkedIn profile a couple weeks ago. It said, uh, uh, you know, views of your LinkedIn profile, and it said my and Mike Richter because he's like this big business global warming yeah. guy now. And it said Mike Richter looked at my profile. I screenshot it. I sent it to all my friends. That I was starstruck with. But as far yeah, as the guys I, now, I don't want you know. I, you know what I get starstruck with? They uh, last season they put uh, Ray Castaldi, the Madison Square Garden organist for the Rangers and the Knicks for the past thirty plus years. Uh, they put him in my booth, and they're actually bringing him back throughout the season. And he was there for the home opener. Um, I geeked out over that. Like that's what I geek out over. Um, I, you know, meeting the players, I really I don't care. Uh, they have to put up with my voice. I have to watch them fail sometimes. You know, this is a, a symbiotic relationship we have. <laughs> I, I leave it. I leave it at that. Um, yeah, I get uh, I get a certain stipend per each game to you know I can get food from around the ballpark or from the press calf. But at the end of the day, man, I'm just I'm living out my dream. I'm announcing to a crowd of thirty, forty, forty five thousand people and getting paid for it and watching baseball and getting paid for it. And it's, it's a dream come true. So those are all the perks I need, man. That's it. Tonight there'll be 4,500 watching them in Oakland. Well, I mean, you know, that's up to Oakland. They, uh, they yeah. can't throw a ballpark <laughs> if it was with cement. Now, uh, now do the, do the Rangers win this series against the devils? I think, if, I think the winner of this series or Boston's going to win the Stanley cup. I, I think it's going to be a slugfest. Um, I think this is where Shesterkin, um, if we're getting into penalty trouble, which this team has been th- way too much throughout this season uh, at pivotal times, you know, really just getting into dumb penalty uh, trouble, uh, that's when Shesty's going to have to step up. And I think he's been ironing out some kinks. I was really impressed with some of his games in the, the later stretch of the season there. Uh, and... Again, you can win a Stanley Cup with a goalie standing on your head, and you've got a goalie like that. But then you've got someone like Lindgren, and you've got Fox, um, you know, there on on defense. And now, you know that that top two line is just diabolical. Tarasenko, I don't think has lived up to his potential, but we know what he's capable of in the playoffs. Patrick Kane, we know what he's capable of the playoffs. Uh, and then you've got Panarin, uh, Zibanejad, Kreider. You know, Trocheck, Mott was such a huge acquisition. I think that was even bigger than Tarasenko in many uh, in many respects. So I think the Rangers are fully capable of it. I'm just hoping it's not one of those things where they're going to rely on Shesty to, to do it uh, because they're going to get in, you know, heated and into to, uh, uh, penalty trouble. But, yes, I think the Rangers can do it, God willing, in six, but I think this is going to be a seven-game series. I agree. I agree. I think they're going to they're beat the hell out of each other. You know, and it's great because – that you can tell the teams don't like each other. The players don't like each other. The Devils are young. They're fast. They're talented. The Rangers have star power. They have the goalie. Shesterkin, he, he worried me there in the middle of the season. He was, he was not playing well for a while. I think the Rangers got to they gotta get they gotta get rid of these bad starts. You can't be falling behind 2 nothing, 3 nothing in the in the playoffs like they have been a lot of times. And I think, like you said, the special teams... And last year was so much fun because it was so unexpected. I was at Game Seven, and and it was, I mean, it was it was the, it was it was just so much fun that run that they did last year. And now I think that run's going to help them because now they're experienced. The Devils are now making the run that the Rangers made last year, kinda. You know, it's their first time. A lot of these kids, they they young, 
They're going to be, you know, you know, bright eyed and then not really know what they're doing. That can work for you sometimes, but it could also work against you. And, and I, I, I'm with you. I picked the Rangers in seven. It's been it's been a journey for both teams. I mean, you know, right when the Devils were going on that ridiculous winning streak, the Rangers were falling apart, and it took uh, a Truba helmet toss to you know, yeah. spark the Rangers and get them going. It really, you can pinpoint that turning point for the season. But for the Rangers, nothing has fallen into place fully. It has a couple times this season, a few games where we've seen what the Rangers are fully capable of. But when they were going through that, that slow period in the early winter months, uh, and then it started to get it together, but then Shesty started falling apart. You know, they, we haven't seen what this team is fully capable of when they fire on all cylinders. Hopefully, Gallant is able to do it. Hopefully, Truba is able to get them going. If they can be disciplined, know their roles, play them to, you know, to the best of their abilities, this team could win the cup. They are a cup-worthy team. Um, Boston, I, I, I won't believe it until I see it. You know, records are made to be broken. We won the President's Trophy in 93. Look what that did for us. So yeah, no. whatever, let's uh, let's see where the, where the, the, the chips fall where they may. Zabanajad is the best player on the team, I think. I he was my favorite trade since Marty St. Louis. Yeah, and is Adam Fox Brian Leach? I, he for this generation, yes. You know, Leach Leach was in a it was a very different NHL back then. You know, you had your Leach, you had your Coffees. Um, you had an up-and-comer named Zuboff. Like, you, you had the the offensive defenseman, which Great doesn't points. exist now. On the power play. Zuboff and Leach on that power play. Oh. That was uh, – uh... <laughs> God, man. When you saw 21-2 and two out 21, there like, – 21. <laughs> I know that whole team. I know yeah, that whole team. The, the Black Aces and – Yeah, I guess it did. I was like, oh, Zuby. Oh, I miss you. I, I yeah, yeah. Them. Zuboff was a great player. Yeah. But um so now do you ever do you ever um say anything? Are you ever in the park alone, the mic on? Start saying stuff? Uh no. no. <laughs> I um I've had fun with it. I actually it's not necessarily true. I, I, when we have corporate events and I'll go there and I'll like announce certain things, I'll be on the field with uh um, you know, they'll do like a softball match between like the NYPD and the FDNY or something like that, or uh, mm-hmm. corporate sponsors. Uh, so I'll get a little handheld mic and that goes through the entire PA system. But before anyone gets there, I'll do a little mic check and I'll uh, goof okay. off a little bit. But I also, <laughs> I, I can have carte blanche with that, you know, when the, they're there. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's been some fun here there. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But I also have to keep in mind that the corporate offices are right there and they can hear everything. Exactly. Exactly. Now you also did walk up songs with people during the pandemic. Yeah. Right? You did, you did a walk up, so um, so you so if I send you something, you get you make me a walk up. Uh, you call my grandfather, my uncle again. Uh, we're gonna have to <laughs> yeah, of course, Bob. yeah, absolutely, man. All no, right, all right. No, it was, and again, that that's another one of the things that I wanted to do to connect with the fans because a during that time, every it was one of the scariest you know moments of our lives. Absolutely, we had no idea what was going on. Um, but beyond that, you know, I wanted to be in the booth. They wanted to be in the ballpark. That was the best way to connect the two and also to continue building that relationship with the fans outside of the booth in the ballpark. So, um, so that was, that was a lot of fun doing that. It was a lot of work. I did 1200 of them, but it was, uh, well, <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, listen, uh, you know, everyone tells me now that, that I'm going to have a kid on the way that I ain't going to be going to games like I, like I usually do. So I, I'm going to try and get to one of these games during this series, 
But they, you know, they, it's, it's like a mortgage payment to get into the garden these days with the Rangers. Oh, Rangers, yeah. For the Mets, I'm like, uh, my, my oh, yeah, no, the Mets, my 20 bucks. My, my daughter is 17 days old, and I've been to four Mets games. So, uh, <laughs> father of the freaking year over here. My wife, Julie, is, uh, she's just been a saint. But uh, Same here. Same yeah. here with my wife. Well, uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I doubt I'll make it to any Rangers playoffs games because, yeah, I, I need to put that money towards my daughter and not uh, yeah. frivolous spending. I can watch at home. Got to be responsible now. Well, a hell of a job. His name is Colin Cosell. Colin, thanks for giving us a couple minutes here today. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. I'll call you when I do my stand-up. Please do. I'll be the first one in the crowd <laughs> laughing as hard as I can. Absolutely. Thanks, Colin. Right, thank you, Bob. How about that? Huh? How about I can't wait to hear my walk-up song? I can't wait to hear it. If you have any suggestions, I'm still looking to pick a walk-up song. I don't know what I'm going to use. I know it's that uh, I'm going to get ridiculous responses with it, but what should my walk-up song be? You guys tell me. We'll pick it out together. We'll figure something out. But thank you. Thank you to Colin Cosell. Really had a good time speaking with him. He, he came on. He gave us everything about his uncle, his life, how he got the, how he got the gig. You know, it's a dream job for him. You know, you feel good for him. It's a dream job for him. And, and he gets the... the He's the, he's the voice of the Mets at City Field. How great is that? You know? So, uh, really interesting. I really enjoyed talking with him there. Uh, you guys helped me pick out my walk-up song. Brett missed a good one here today. You know, he's, uh, he's gone fishing. You know, he made his choice. <laughs> Just kidding, Brett. We love you. Brett's going to come back. I think he's going to do the, the Sunday wrap-up show with me. But, uh... That's it. We're pretty much out of time. I want to thank everybody for listening, for watching. Remember, don't forget to uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe on wherever you listen to the podcast. Make sure you give us reviews. The reviews help. We want to know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. You know, if you like the show, if you hate the show, whatever it is. So, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you to Colin Cosell for giving us a couple of minutes. Great job there. And uh, I'll talk to you Sunday. Hopefully, Brett will be with me. We'll talk to you Sunday, everybody. I'm Bob Walters. See ya. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to let everyone know by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or on our website at LockedUpSports.net. Remember, you can also find us on your favorite social media site, on Twitter at LockedUpSports, on the gram at Locked underscore up underscore sports. Join our Facebook group, Locked Up Sports, or on TikTok at Locked Up Sports Show. Now you can catch all the latest from Locked Up Sports anytime. Thanks for listening.